Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis 26 on the seven problems that Isaac faced in the land of Gerar, with famines, fights, Philistines, and filling of his wells with dirt, as well as being caught lying and being expelled from the land. We are continuing to ask for your prayers for the Summer Blitz, a Jewish evangelism campaign where we're going out to 15 different cities with 111 missionaries throughout the U.S. and Canada. And we're asking for your prayer that the Jewish people would be reached during this outreach. We were hitting over 700,000 doors. We're actually on track to hit over 800,000 doors with, of course, those are families behind all of those doors. We are seeing Jewish people saved as well as Gentiles, and many Jewish people are being discipled and brought along in their new foundation and friendship with God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jew first, you can give a donation of any amount. But for a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you 20 gospel tracts from Israel Restoration Ministries. These are beautiful, full-color gospel presentation tracts from the Old Testament designed by Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries. These are the same gospel tracts we're giving out to Jews and Gentiles, and they're getting saved. It's got a wonderful presentation of the gospel with prophecy and fulfillment, as well as the truth of the Jewish Messiah in the Old Testament, and that you're not good enough and you can't keep all the Ten Commandments. And it's a great presentation of the gospel for anyone, Jew or Gentile. $20 or more donation. We'll send you 20 of these gospel tracts. And your donation helps support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism. So please call us now, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. This offer is not available online at friendshipwithgod.org, but you have to call us for this. It's 800 800- Two four seven thirty fifty one. Again, 20 tracks for a $20 or more donation to help support this radio program and Jewish evangelism. Now, here is Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, teaching us from Genesis 26 on the seven big problems Isaac faced in the land of Gerar. I mean, Lord, with a God-given name like Abraham, or father of men and nations, it's very easy to see how you took him seriously. But Lord, I have a problem. My problem is that the name you gave me is Isaac, which means laughter. (laughs) And Lord, how can anyone take a person seriously whose name is laughter? (laughs) I just hope you take me seriously, even though my name is laughter. And I hope I become as tight as you you were with my dad, Abraham, even though my name's laughter. (laughs) Lord, I'm just a little nervous as to how my life is going to develop with you. And if I, as the son of Abraham, I don't want to disappoint you. We can imagine, this is Isaac's mind here. He's starting off alone. He's got some big shoes to fill. You know, so in that little made-up conversation between Isaac and God, we can see struggles that Isaac naturally would have faced as he sets out on his journey to build a life with God, develop a life with God, and he's not under the shadow of Abraham anymore. His dad, Abraham, he has a wonderful life with God. He didn't have a wonderful life. He does have a wonderful life with God now. But he's known as the father of faith, Abraham. And that's a pretty hard act for Isaac to follow. Of all people, Isaac was the closest one to observe Abraham and to see this life with God that Abraham had. And it was just built on this tightness of this relationship between God and Abraham. But what we'll find is that Abraham has Abraham's personality. And Isaac has Isaac's personality. And Jacob has Jacob's personality. And the personality of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not the same. They are very different from each other. And it would be wrong for Isaac to try to copy 
Abraham's personality. And the beauty of this chapter is that it's going to show us how God adapts and becomes Isaac's God, even though Isaac has a totally opposite personality compared to Abraham. And that's going to show us that no one should ever try and become another person because each of us is different. We're unique. And God's able to become the God of each of us with our own personality. That's one of the wonderful things in this chapter. And this chapter is going to teach us what Isaac knew, and that's what you and I know, is that no one, including Isaac, is born with a life with God. Even though he's the son of Abraham, even though Isaac was the son of Abraham, Isaac had to develop his own life with God. And we know that just because, just because we have a life with God, that's no guarantee that our children are going to have a life with God. Just because we have a life with God, that doesn't mean that our children are born with the life of God. They're not. And just like Isaac, our children have to develop their own life with God. And we as parents, we can't dictate it. We can't command it. We can't command it into our children. Each one of our children has to develop their own life with God. We want to see our children develop and have a mature life with God, especially before they leave our homes. We'd surely like that. But what we're going to see in this chapter is that Isaac did not develop and mature his life with God until his parents were out of the picture. And we have to accept that for our children, that it may take their departure from our lives for them to develop and mature and to get their own life with God. And that brings us angst. That brings us anxiety. And anxiety and angst is like energy. And so what do we do with this energy? What do we do with this anxiety? We focus it into prayer. Because in chapter 23, we saw all the concern that Abraham showed for making sure that Isaac got the right wife. Abraham knew this is going to make or break the boy. The wife that he gets is the make or break. So we got to get the right gal for the guy. And so what happened there in that chapter, we saw that, but Abraham was old. He was frail. He couldn't make the journey. He couldn't go there. He, he would have if he could have to get the right one for his wife, get the, for a wife for Isaac, but he couldn't. And so he was forced to send Eliezer. In the same way, Abraham is not able to command Isaac's life with God. So Abraham does what he can, which is to pray for Isaac to have a life with God. And we saw Abraham filled with anxiety over this issue of a life with God for his child in the case of Ishmael. Because Abraham's heart was broken when he looked at Ishmael and he says, I don't see a life with God in Ishmael. And so what does he do? We're told what he did in Genesis 17, 18, when it says, and Abraham, and Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. What's that mean? Oh, that Ishmael might have a life with you. Oh, that Ishmael might have a life with God. See, feeling helpless to make Ishmael have a life with God, Abraham pleads with God in prayer for Ishmael to have a life with God. That's a precious sight for us when we see something like that. Abraham pleading with God for his son. And we're in the same boat as Abraham. We can't command a life with God for our children. So all we can do is what Abraham do. We can pray. Our children will have a life with God. See, that was a wonderful part in that wedding ceremony yesterday of Emily and Russ. And, and the part that really, well, for me, was the most special was while the couple standing, uh, how many were there? Most of you were there. <laughs> the couple standing there in front of the congregation and the parents of the bride and the groom, they go up and they huddle around them and pray. You remember that? Wasn't that precious? I mean, like Abraham, they couldn't command their kids to have a life with God and that their family would be for God, but they could pray, and they were praying, and they did pray, and that was nice. 
As I watched that scene of the parents, you know, huddled over, arms around them both, praying for the bride and groom, made me think of a marriage of a daughter, of a friend of mine, very religious uh, friend of mine in New Jersey. My friend is an Orthodox Jewish man. And so that was a Hasidic wedding, Hasidic marriage. And so there under the chuppah, the canopy there, was the bride and the groom, and the parents came up also. And they stood there in front of the rabbi, but they weren't praying over their children. You know what they were doing? They were going over something called a ketubah, which is a marriage contract that covers the obligations of the bride and the groom and goes into specific details of exactly what merchandise has to be returned to who in the event of a divorce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was glad to see the parents at yesterday's marriage had, had come up to pray. <laughs> and we come to God with anxiety over our kids. So they have their own life with God, and we pray, and we pray for them, and something unexplainable happens when we do that. And it's described to us in Proverbs 14, 26, where it says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. That the unexplainable that happens when we pray and trust God for our kids, that they'll have a life with God, is we get this unexplainable strong confidence And when we pray and trust God for our kids to have their own life with God, we get this strong confidence that our kids are going to have a place of refuge. That's what a life of God is. It's a place of refuge. So another title for this chapter might be Isaac, not in the shadow of Abraham, getting his place of refuge, the life with God. So there will be in this chapter seven short but very important problems that Isaac's going to have in the land of Gerar. And these problems are pivotal in Isaac developing his life with God. As we study these seven problems, we're going to see interwoven within the fabric of these histories a pattern, an old pattern of Satan's opposition to God's child. And we're also going to see a pattern of God's help for his child. And that's going to be interesting. In other words, we're going to see that our life, we're going to see through Isaac, what happens to him, our life boils down to a warfare. We're in a warfare. And what's needed in a warfare? We talked about a place of refuge, protection, protection. We'll return on Friendship with God in just a moment with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, Tom Cantor's designed a beautiful, full-color gospel track from the Ten Commandments and Are You Good Enough? This is a beautiful presentation of the gospel from the Old Testament using Old Testament scripture and presents Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. It's great for a Jewish person or a Gentile. We've recently, in the past 30 days, printed over 300,000 of them. We're putting them out in our Summer Blitz campaign to reach over 800,000 doors throughout the United States and Canada with 111 missionaries. And this beautiful presentation of the gospel can be yours. We'll give you 20 of them for a donation of $20 or more, which will support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish Evangelism Ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries. Call us with your donation of $20 or more for these 20 tracks, 800-247-3051. And we're told that we have a very strong protection in our lives for this long warfare that we're in, and that very powerful protection is described to us in Proverbs 18.10, where it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. 
That very powerful protection, which is like a strong tower, is called the name of the Lord. But there are many names of the Lord. Many names of God. We need to learn them. Different names for the Lord. And not just, you know, not just the list, but what is behind each name. What's the meaning? What is the implication, the connotation that's carried behind each name? Because we need those names. They're like a tool chest for us or a war chest. You know, we pull out this name for this battle and we pull out that name for that battle and this one for that. And wisdom is to know which name to pull out. And some of the more common names for God are or Lord, meaning he's overall, or Father, meaning he's tender and loving, or Creator, meaning that he made all things. See? That's why in the back of the Friendship with God Bible, this is a commercial, <laughs> we have a list of many names and their references show the meaning. But there's one name for God which is hardly ever used, and in this chapter is going to give us the meaning for that name, and therefore when it's appropriate to use it. Anybody want to take a stab at what that unique name for God is? The unique name that we're going to discover that's very rarely ever used is the God of Isaac. The God of Isaac. I never hear anybody calling God, God of Isaac. (laughs) Who? (laughs) No, because among the many names for God that Genesis gives us the meaning for, like Creator God, Elohim, there's three very important names that are very infrequently used, and that's what we're finding here. And those names are the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham as the God of the person who is the brave type A pioneer. The God of Isaac as the God of the person who is the retiring, non-aggressive, quiet, passive, meek, self-restraining, meditative dreamer. The God of Jacob as the God of the person who is bold, impulsive, act first, think later, double A type. (laughs) You know anybody like that? And so, but each one of those names are so important. He's not just the God of Abraham. He's not just the God of Isaac. He's not just the God of Jacob. He is the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. And as we study the God in the lives of these three individuals, we learn the meaning and when to pull that name out as a strong tower to use in our battle. The God of Abraham. I'm calling on you now as the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So there are in this chapter, as we said, seven problems that Isaac is going to have in the land of Gerar is going to cause the development of his life with God. And those seven problems are, verses 1 through 6, the first problem of the famine. Verses 7 through 8, the second problem of men taking an interest in Isaac's wife. Verses 9 through 13, the third problem of Isaac being caught in a lie that his wife was his sister and having to stand in shame before a heathen king. Verses 12 through 14, the fourth problem of the Philistines envying his possessions. Verse 15, the fifth problem of the Philistines destroying Isaac's wells by filling them with dirt. Verses 16 through 17, the sixth problem of Isaac being expelled from the area he was living in. And verse 20, the seventh problem of the fight of the herdmen of Gerar with his herdmen over this extraordinary well of springing water. So those are the seven problems that Isaac's going to face in this chapter. Nothing really serious. I mean, just problems of being threatened with no food, no wife, no peace, no possessions, no land, no water. Apart from those problems, he had no problems in his life. (laughs) He can get along just fine, can't he, without any food, no wife, no possessions, no land, no water. I mean, threatened with this chapter, threatened with no food, no wife, no possessions, no land, no water. Who wouldn't be worried? Who wouldn't be anxious? Who wouldn't lose sleep? 
over being threatened with those problems. We think we have problems in life. Isaac had these problems in life, and you and I have these problems in life, and the Lord said that's the way it's going to be in 2 Timothy 3.12 when he says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, shall have problems. But the beauty of this chapter is not that Isaac was kept from the threat of these problems of no food, no wife, no possessions, no land, no water. The beauty in this chapter is how God helped Isaac when he was threatened with the problems of no food, no wife, no possessions, no land, no water. And by coming to God for help and seeing God answer with help, Isaac, when he was threatened with these problems, his life with God developed. And so what finally emerges out of this chapter with all the problems of the no food, no wife, no land, no possessions, no water, what finally emerges and Isaac turns back and, and you know what he comes out with? A life with God. He comes out with a life with God. And he'd tell us today. He'd say, you know, those problems were worth it because through those problems I came out with a life with God. And that's the same with us. Is we call on God, we trust him for help with our problems. When we see God help us, God develops in us a life with him. Looking back on our life, we say, all those problems are worth it because I came out with a life with God. And so when we see this, we say, well, now we don't resent the problems that come because there are two words that have to be said before anyone can have a life with God. You know what those two words are? Help me. Help me. If a person doesn't say to God, help me, and then trust God to help them, then there's going to be no appreciation for what God does, and there'll be no life with God. The only reason a person says to God, help me, is when he's got a problem. And so the problem is in our lives, we're like the tube of toothpaste, and the problems in our life are like the hand that squeezes it. (laughs) And out comes the words, help me. Try to get toothpaste out without squeezing it. Now, in the previous chapter chapter 25, we read in verse 8, chapter 25, verse 8, Abraham gave up the ghost. He died. Good old age, old man, full of years, gathered to his people. Today, we start this chapter, you may have noticed that I've been saying Isaac was not living under the shadow of Abraham, but I didn't say in this chapter that Abraham died. And let me explain why. See, in the previous chapter, we read that Isaac and Rebekah had two children whose names were Jacob and Esau. We read about that. But In this chapter, the verse I just read here in verse 7 to 8, look what it says in chapter 26, 7 to 8. The men of the place asked him of his wife. She said, she's my sister. And he feared to say she's my wife. The men have been killed, so forth. And then notice in verse 8, Abimelech's looking out the window and saw, behold, Isaac. It came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech looks out the window and sees him sporting with his wife. Now the question is, how could Isaac successfully represent Rebekah as his unmarried sister with two little boys running around calling him daddy and calling her mommy? How does that work? And in verse 8, it says that Isaac and Rebekah were there for a long time before King Abimelech realized that Rebekah was his wife. So how do they keep this marriage from the king? What do they do? They say to the two kids, stay in those trunks. <laughs> Don't get out. I'll bring you food and water. <laughs> Clearly, What is happening here in chapter 26 is before what happened in chapter 25. See, what happened in chapter 26 was during the time from the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah before they had children. In other words, chapter 26 happened before chapter 25. These chapters are not chronological. As a matter of fact, the events within chapter 25 are not chronological because in chapter 25, it begins with the death of Abraham and then it goes on to the birth of the twins. But we know Abraham lives 15 years after the birth of the twins. 
so what we see here is that it's non-chronological, these chapters. And the big question is why? Why? I mean, why are these accounts in chapters 25 and 26 not in chronological order? I mean, the answer to that question gets at a very important question of what's the goal of the book? What's the purpose of Genesis? For that matter, the purpose of the Bible, but let's just talk about Genesis. I mean, here we are studying the book of Genesis. It's important for us to know what God's goal is when he had the book of Genesis written for us so that God's goal can be accomplished in us as we study this book. Clearly, the goal of this book is not to present a history in chronological order. Genesis contains history. It's not a history book. Genesis contains science. It's not a science book. Genesis contains geography. It's not a geography book. Genesis contains psychology. It's not a psychology book. But what we can see in Genesis 25 and 26 is it's not a historical chronology of events. So God's goal for us as we study Genesis is not to teach us history. We'll learn history in the process, but that's not God's goal for us. He doesn't want to give us a degree in history, Genesis history, because Genesis is not a chronological history. But as we see here in Genesis, it's a grouping of events together in the lives of certain people. And those events have been carefully chosen and grouped together to teach us lessons for our lives. Genesis uses selected histories of certain individuals to teach and train us. Genesis is a training manual. And the training is how to have a life with God. Because that's the most important thing we can accomplish. It's the most important thing we can gain out of this life. To gain a life with God. And the book of Genesis is our training manual to how to gain a life with God. This is the purpose of the book. Now, understanding that, we come to the first verse. There was a famine in the land. And we say, a famine? A famine? How could there be a famine? Isaac's the heir to the promise. He's supposed to be blessed by God. Famine seems so out of place for this child of God. In fact, Isaac be tempted to say, well, where's the help of God now? It's a famine. And there was a famine that forced Isaac to go somewhere for food. He's got to go for food. Well, there's one place that's famous for food in that area, and that place is where the Nile River runs through in the Middle East, Egypt. Egypt is the Whole Foods of Middle East. <laughs> okay? So it appears here that Isaac is on his way to Egypt. And he happens to be passing through the land of Abimelech, king of Philistines, called Gerar. And we can see that what God told Isaac in verses 2-3. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Verse 3, Sojourn in this land. I'll be with you, bless thee. So when Isaac was looking to go down into Egypt, God told Isaac in verse 2, Halt, don't go down there. Go not down into Egypt. He said to him, Forget about Egypt. Forget about it. Forget about the Nile. Forget about it. As God tells him that. And then he says in verse 3, stay where you are. Sojourn in this land. And so then God gave Isaac a promise. And he said in verse 3, I'll be with you. I'll bless you. And that's an amazing statement in verse 3 that God should say, sojourn in this land and I'll be with you and I'll bless thee. And we can imagine how many times Isaac in this chapter with all the problems that he's going to face, he turns back to God and he says, but you told me sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I'll bless thee and all I see are problems. Why did you tell me to stay here with all these problems? I mean, how is this a blessing to have all these problems? And God's reply would be, because your life with God cannot be developed without these problems. And I told you that I would be with you, and that's the greatest blessing of all. And that's true in our lives. Our life with God cannot be developed without problems. And the greatest blessing we have is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who is with us. 
the God who blesses us. And thank you, Lord, now for each one of the problems that come in our lives because we realize, Lord, that you're at work developing our life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another fantastic day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you have a question for Tom Cantor or you'd like to write him, tell him how much you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program, you can do so by emailing him at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom, T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, one word, at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also write Tom Cantor, or send in a donation to help support this Bible teaching radio program by writing to Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330. That's Friendship with God at P.O. Box 711-330. Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Again, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. You can also call us with a donation of any amount or to become one of our monthly supporters at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. We also have an online resource center and bookstore of Tom Cantor's materials at friendshipwithgod.org. And this month, for a donation of $20 or more, you can get 20 tracks designed by Tom Cantor, Old Testament tracks, full color, Are You Good Enough, 10 Commandment tracks, 20 of them for a $20 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program, and we'll send you these 20 tracks. Call us for this offer only at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, and get these 20 tracks for a $20 donation, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Tom Cantor and Friendship with God.